dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hi, friends. Welcome to What God Is Not podcast. This is Bethany, the audience of one for today's episode. Today is Father Michael's episode. The banter is about eight minutes, but there is an important announcement that takes place at the end of the banter that you might not want to miss, especially if you are local to the Colorado area. So today's episode is about why we choose certain religions over others. Ultimately, what should be because of what's true, good, and beautiful, but sometimes we will let other things that can lead us to the true and good and beautiful distract us, such as what's black and white and community among others. So enjoy your episode. Have a great day. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, Mother. My, my computer's fan seems to have its own guardian angel that paused it for now. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. my fan was being so loud, dear listeners, that, uh, that you could hear it on my mic. Um, Although but- I, was, I was talking with, so shout out to the Mullins family um, because they're absolutely amazing. And they came and for like a week, they were camping out and um, doing some work at the Shrine and then a little bit of work at the monastery as well. Uh, but... Uh, I know at least Don Mullins is a listener, an avid listener. Anyways, Don was saying that when we we often talk about like things that you can hear in the background and that the oh. listeners can't actually hear it at all. So, so you're saying I shouldn't have said that. Well, no, I'm just I'm trying to console you that like if the fan does come back on, they maybe can't even yeah. hear it. Well, you know, there's like a group of about 400 fans screaming outside my window right now, and. So you guys may not be able to hear that. Um, it's really loud in my ears and in the mic, but if you can't hear that, then then I understand. And I'm Is glad. that one of your jokes that was not it's funny that we need to edit out? <laughs> 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 I think it took me a second to get it because we were talking about your computer fan and then you were talking about fans outside your window. Oh, and so it took okay. me a second to realize what you were doing. But then once I did, I was like, well, that's, well I mean, it was kind of funny. Explaining my joke. <laughs> Sometimes it's very necessary in my mind. <laughs> All right, we have an audience of one. Hey, yo. I can give you your full name, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Bethany Doyle, you want to say something? Say something, I'm giving up on you. That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) So Bethany's here um, doing a cross-country find-yourself tour. Um, (laughs) Is that what what she's calling it? Figuring out her life. Is that what you're calling it? That's what I'm calling it. (laughs) Okay. I was calling it a crazy road trip. Crazy road trip. But I'm her spiritual father, so I'm calling it her her find herself tour of uh, of driving through various national parks and coming to see her spiritual father for a few days in nice. Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, I'm at like maybe the fanciest place I've ever been. I don't mm-hmm. know if that um yeah, I think that might be true. So I'm in I'm on Hilton Head Island, which uh I had never heard of to the extent that like Okay, so Mother Gabriella, their family has a reunion every five years. And I'm talking like there are probably 50 people here for their family reunion. So they do this every five years. They have these like little, they go to different destinations. They've been to Breckenridge. They've done, mm-hmm. um, I don't know really where they've been. But anyways, um, Mother Gabriella was saying that this one's at Hilton Head, which I had never heard of. And then... The night before we get here, she's talking with a mutual friend. And then she says to me, Mother Gabriella, so-and-so didn't know that Hilton Head was an island. And I was like, 
Um, neither did I, and we're going there tomorrow. So, yeah, it's barely an island. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, I mean it's it's, but it's called apparently it's usually called Hilton Head Island. It's not just called I Hilton see. Head, but um, it's kind of like Manhattan. Manhattan's only barely an island too. Well. I mean, whatever. I just, I, I just feel like being really critical this morning for some reason. Apparently. Well, <laughs> my point is this place is real ritzy and it's, uh, yeah, it's great. But Mother Gabriella asked if one of the nuns could go with her to just, um, because we try to travel in pairs and mm-hmm. we don't usually do that for like home visits, but um, she also just like um, thought it would be good to have another nun to help like be witness to her family because her extended family isn't um really familiar with nuns and so uh to just kind of have that added witness and and also to support her because you know sometimes it's hard to be around a lot of family (laughs) so anyways nice yeah, we had. Uh, I just got back from the Holy Land yesterday morning after whoop, whoop. ten amazing days, and we had a few families that were not Catholic among it. We had 180 pilgrims, five buses, uh, five priests, Christophanic leading the whole thing, and it was amazing. It really was amazing. And but but part of my love of it was the the witness to the non Catholics in the group, mm-hmm. um, and just how like these sites, you know, you you have. Most of the sites in in the Holy Land are all run by either the Orthodox or the Catholics. You know mm-hmm. that that's that's just the way it is. So so when you get people the out there and and uh, so you're taking them to all these Catholic and Orthodox sites, but uh, but it was it was so cool because I think the thing that was the greatest witness to them about about our faith and our the thing we love so much was just the people involved. Um, you know they're going to these sites. Sites, especially in Jerusalem, can be full of tension. That's kind of my topic today. Actually, it can be can be full of tension. But but the way that that we as pilgrims and as Catholic pilgrims um, responded and loved each other and helped each other and witnessed to this what they call the uh, the fifth gospel, the Holy Land, um, was was really cool. So I totally get how she would want someone else there to to interact and to show that she does have community and she does she's not totally isolated in her weird vocation to monasticism etc yeah not yeah. totally isolated exactly so um i'll jump right in then wait That's no a good can transition. i make the announcement first fine okay <laughs> i promised um this is how much jesus loves perla um i promised perla that i was going to announce this on the on this particular episode number um, by the like, way, Mother Natalia has a weird gift of being able to hear and talk to squirrels. It's like this very weird <laughs> um, thing. What was it? What's the doctor? Doctor. Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle thing, but she only um, talks to squirrels. That's really funny because we. Uh, so Mother Gabriella's family is just as like very much into teasing as my family is, okay. and. Um, I've been like obsessed with the alligators while we've been here. And every time I see an alligator, I'm so excited. Mother Gabrielle won't let me get as close as I want to. That's probably good. Um, and Father Dufresne was like, two nuns left for the family reunion. 1.75 came home. Anyways, uh, but they're just so, especially the little babies, they're just so cute. Anyways, we found one on one of our walks, Mother Gabrielle and I, and I named him Patches. And so... Uh, late, last night we were talking with um one of her uncles, and 
Mother Gabriel said something about patches, and he was like, who's patches? And she was like, oh, one of the alligators. And um, he was like, you named them? And Mother Gabriel was like, yeah, Mother Natalia named them. And I was like, I think it's totally normal. And he was just like, I'm sure you do think that. Um, But anyways, patches, I also named one Whiskers. Uh, They're real cute. Um, Where was I going with this? Perla, squirrel. That's very appropriate that I got so, off so of So just for squirrel. our new listeners, we we are so we both have ADHD and so we have a lot of squirrel moments. I do not moments. have ADHD. Father Michael has ADHD and, and mother and mother Natalia is very distracted. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we we are we named our distractions squirrels and we named them after the people that complain the most about our squirrels about our distractions. So mine's named Perla. Hers is named Cowboy. Yeah. So well, Perla is also up. one of my closest friends in Denver, and. I promised her that I was going to make this announcement. Um, and then when I recorded the episode, I forgot to make the announcement, but then that recording ended up being a failure. And that's what you get. So Jesus loves Perla and he wanted this <laughs> announced. So uh, I am going to be on home visit in Colorado the first week of July. And my annual home visit, we get two weeks a year. And this is one of my weeks. And On Saturday, July 8th, we're going to be doing a little fundraiser for my home parish, Holy Protection. Um, So it's, yeah, Saturday, July 8th. There's going to be a parish picnic from 3 to 7, and that's just free. Um, But then uh, it's at this place in Erie. I don't know how they're going to get all this information. We'll have to maybe post... I've put the I put the thing on our story, but that's gone now. So maybe we can put it up as an actual post. Anyways, at five p.m. from five to six thirty um, on Saturday, July eighth, I'm going to be giving a little talk about discernment and kind of tools of discernment, and talking about um, the film, the documentary that Elizabeth uh, put out that's being shown in film festivals and. Um, so like I said, it's a fundraiser for the parish. So tickets are $50 for a family or $20 for an individual and food and drinks are included. So you can register for it, um, like pay for your ticket by going to Venmo, V-E-N-M-O, if any of you know what Venmo is. And how do they search for it, Father Michael? At Holy Protection. At Holy Protection. But if you want to come and you want to pay for it, not via Venmo, I'm sure that's possible. And just email us at whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. In addition to that, there's going to be a very special surprise at this event that I am not telling you because that is not how surprises work. But (laughs) if you come, I think that you'll be really excited. So, and the surprise is not Father Michael. Father Michael's not going to be there. (laughs) A much, much better surprise. No. Yes. It I depends. know what the surprise is, and I don't yeah, know as much better. You do know what the surprise is. Well, whatever. Anyways, um, so if you come, I think you will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be at St. Mary's Proto-Cathedral in Los Angeles, and if you come see me on a Sunday, you get another surprise, namely the body, blood, soul, divinity of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. That's not a that's surprise. The, that's the best surprise. <laughs> oh, okay, you're right. All right, I'm glad we had this talk. Um, Now you can start your topic. Okay. 
I've fulfilled my duty to to Perla. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so as I mentioned, I just got back from the Holy Land. It was my third time. Um, it was an amazing trip. It was my second time in two years. Um, so there was something beautifully familiar about it that I highly recommend. I mean, I know this is a once-in-a-lifetime trip for many people, and it's totally worth it if you can ever go with with people. Um, but uh, but there was something about going back as a chaplain, as kind of a guide, as a, as a spiritual leader, and going back twice without the twice in two years. So I, there was no rushing there was i could just kind of enjoy it there wasn't anything i needed to see um but i could try also to have like a a next level experience at these sites um of just saying you know lord i i don't need to have all the thoughts i don't need to have all the feelings i just i can be present here if you remember when we recorded my my reaction podcast last year when i got back um there was there was a lot of uh different experiences of things other than the sites themselves that were so powerful to me. And the same thing happened this time. I think this this time again, the the main the main beauty, the grace that Christ put in my soul was was like mother, you're so eloquent about being a spiritual mother and what that means for podcast listeners, what that means for people that email in, um, what that means for things, you know, the people that encounter you in various ways. Um, there's something too about, you know, they say a parent enjoys vacation time or enjoys playgrounds or things like that. They, they enjoy them because they enjoy them through their children and they, they, they want to see their children have a good time. And that's definitely what probably the most striking thing to me this time was the beauty of watching the pilgrims on my bus. We had five buses. And so I was the uh, red, bus. red bus, red bus, best bus. Um, actually, it was really funny. We made our guy, we made our guy laugh so much um, because we decided that, I introduced them to the Byzantine greeting, glory to Jesus Christ, and then glory forever. And then halfway through the trip, I introduced them to the ancient, ancient greeting, um, red bus, best bus. So I would say red bus and they'd all say best bus. <laughs> and it would make our, because they would say it every single time he even said, he's like, okay, red bus, they're best bus. They would all, they'd all just say it under their voice. It was it was really funny. I thought it was really funny. Um, but it was, but just watching them, we also did the, uh, the chapter of faults every evening, the last thing on the bus. So from our Byzantine Compline, we did the the mutual, mutual forgiveness. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The mutual forgiveness uh, that's from our Compline service or from Midnight Office, whichever one you're doing. Um, and the, uh, so it would, that, that was really cool. I did have one, one teenage girl who I love immensely. Um, she had some really beautiful thoughts that I actually, I may do a whole podcast on later on, on why, um, why we need to be careful offering forgiveness so freely, um, which I I think was was really good and beautiful in the way that she understood it. Pretty much, oh, Father Nathan Adams is calling me, um, Father Nathan Simeon. Um, the uh, anyway, that that's a whole other episode because it, it it is so human, and I I'd love to either have her on or uh, or just talk to her about um, her thoughts on that because these are all things I knew, you know, and uh, not, namely. Um, asking for forgiveness can be used as a weapon um, mm-hmm. and can be used to manipulate, of course. And so I don't know if that was exactly what was on her mind, but um, she was really, really hesitant to offer forgiveness um, so quickly to people that she didn't know very well. And I thought it was a really, really beautiful analysis um, that she wanted to approach something like forgiveness with immense sincerity and authenticity. 
and uh, and so she she did not participate in the ritual, which I thought was actually really beautiful in that she did not want to do something that was very very surface. So I loved her her sincerity about it, even though I think there are multiple levels of forgiveness, and that's why you could do something like this on a trip like this, and it could still be effective. Anyway, that's all ever podcast. Um, but so it was it was watching, you know, watching my people and and in a sense fathering them and watching them enjoy these sights and the, the experiences our Lord was was giving them. Um, but the the topic I wanted to talk about was something that struck me. I preached twice. There were, again, five priests. So we, we all kind of cycled through celebrating and preaching. Um, but I preached twice. The first time I preached was in Capernaum at Peter's house. And uh, that was really cool because that was at the very beginning of the trip. And then at the very end of the trip, I preached again in the Holy Sepulchre, the, the church where Christ died and rose. And that was really powerful. And so the- Where did you have mass my, in, the Holy, in the Holy Sepulchre? I've now I've now celebrated in all three places. So I've celebrated on Calvary, I've celebrated in the tomb, and I've celebrated in the Catholic chapel. So, so this one was the Catholic chapel? This was the Catholic chapel, okay. exactly. So last year we celebrated in the tomb itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the then when I was here the first time in what 2007, 2008, it was uh it was up on Calvary. So it was kind of cool to have the the trifecta now. Um so uh so yes, yeah, so I was really struck though by, and this is this is my topic. I was really struck by how intense the the religious witness is, and how different it is between Christians, Jews, and Muslims there. Mm. So, as a preface, um, last year when I was and then the Holy Land, um, I. Our guides were not political at all. I knew they were all Palestinian Jordanian. If you're Palestinian, you, you have a Jordanian passport um, because they the Israelis uh, restrict who comes into into Israel, and they do that by not issuing Palestinians passports. So the Palestinians get their passports through Jordan. Um, so the uh, our 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 guides were Palestinian Jordanian. Um, there may be some. I think maybe our guide actually had an Israeli passport as well, um, but. But they, uh, so they were not political last year at all. And so I brought my swimming trunks so that I could go swim in the Dead Sea last year. But when I got there, um, as I was walking down the Dead Sea, I saw all of our guides sitting at the lowest bar on earth. It's called because it is the lowest bar on earth, right by the Dead Sea. And so I went over there. Instead of going in the Dead Sea, I actually grabbed a beer. I asked if I could sit with them and I asked them all the questions. This is last Um, year. This is last year, and okay. I just said I want, I want to know uh, all of the political stuff going on that you cannot share publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I'm not going to throw them under the bus by explaining it all here and their personal views. But no pun intended. Um, one of the, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty far from the bus, but that's funny. Um, <laughs> but there was a uh, the one thing that they shared was pretty much just how much they mourn that there's so few Christians in the Holy Land and, mm. and, and how how those numbers have dropped so drastically. And yeah. the official numbers you're going to get are so inc- how so much lower than the actual numbers. So they the Christians in the Holy Land have kind of done their own count and the number is so much lower than the official count mm. and just how tragic that is. So I this really struck me, talking to these these three guides last year, it struck me... And I, I actually had a moment of thinking, what if I asked my bishop to stay here? You know, what what if I what if I was was part of this, you know, it was it was such a powerful, such a powerful um 
presence and a witness. And I remember thinking multiple times when I was there as I as we walked around Jerusalem and I could say, you know what? I can look over there and see the Mount of Olives from almost anywhere in the city. The Mount of Olives is huge, right? I can look anywhere and see the Mount of Olives. I can look over here and see the Holy Sepulchre. I can look over here and see the Temple Mount. I can look over here and see Caiaphas's house. I can look over here and see the Valley of Gehenna. You know, all these things from the scriptures, you can see right right there in front of you. And it's amazing. I, there was something proper about it. There was something to say, this is how it should be. This is how we should be able to, to observe the places where our Lord walked, worked, passion, death, resurrection. And there was just something, it wasn't like, oftentimes here in California, I go to the beach and I, I cannot, in three, year, three and a half years in, almost four years in, I still feel like vacation. And I'm at the, I'm like, this is literally where I live now. But mm-hmm. if, I, if I drive 20 minutes to the beach and I go to the beach, it, it does not feel like home. Mm-hmm. It feels like vacation. When I went to the Holy Land, it felt like home. It didn't feel like I'm on a pilgrimage. It felt like this is, this is where my heart is. This is where, this is where I love being. And this feels normal. This feels restful. This feels like home. Um, so after talking to them, I spent a little bit of time in prayer about this discernment. And our Lord very explicitly said, nope, LA is your home. Uh, like, like, you know, <laughs> this is, this is last July. Like you, and, and the main reason why was because my, my heart is pastoring, which who knows if I could do that over there. But the other part of my heart is evangelization and mm-hmm. evangelization over there is just not what it is here. Yeah. Uh, there people over there in my limited, having been there pretty much five weeks total now, they, the people are so established in their faith structures. You have Jews, Christians, and Muslims. I doubt there's conversions between those three groups almost ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's it's so built into the landscape. It's so built into the families. What you're born there's the, there's probably very few people that that are kind of searchers that are looking and, and kind of open to discerning something else now. So that doesn't mean there are no conversions. The Holy Spirit's at work, but they are so few and far between. Whereas here in the U.S., I think that most people are searchers. They might not call themselves that, but most people are have not found something that they are ready to die for. They have not found a belief system that that is the thing they are most passionate about. You when you're over there you see so many people and their identity that the core of their identity is I'm Jewish or I'm Muslim or I'm Christian. We just don't have that over here. It, it, it's much less uh, frequent to find someone that that religion especially religion is is at the core of their identity. Mm-hmm. It obviously is for me and it is for I think most of my people. Um, but there was there was something I thought. Well, nope. I I feel very very called to evangelize in a world where where most people are opening are open to listening to a different point of view and to to considering other things and and to hearing someone out. Um, so that that was my discernment. Nope. I I think this the spirit that God's given me, the charisms God has given me, the gifts of the Holy Spirit God has given me fit much better in in the land I was raised in and the people that I know more um, than those over here. So I that was a, a quick discernment. Mother Natalia um, confirms that you discerned that well. Um, <laughs> although I guess if you did move to the Holy Land and I had to like come on retreat there with you, that would be okay. 
So that would be a that'd be a cool retreat area. You've been one time, correct, Mother? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's the only. Yes, I've been just the one time. Someone uh, paid for our whole community to go. There were six of us at the time, and um, it was really amazing. We went with the Melkites, and so it was a very Byzantine pilgrimage, which was awesome. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's it seems like at least in the U.S., but probably just the Western world in general, um, people are much more finding their identity in either their work or their sexuality or um, all of these things that are more like... Politics, football. Yeah. Yeah. We're grasping at things, I think, because we don't have have that foundation of of faith that's ancient. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's it's it's much easier. And maybe this is just I'm 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 not called to these charisms because in a sense I I'm, I'm leaning into what's easy. It's much easier to have somebody who is obsessed with politics or sports, um, and say, yeah, you know, you can also have Jesus. And I would highly encourage you to put the Creator of the universe ahead of you know, your local geographical sports team in a sense. And, and it's that there's a, there's, I think that even on an objective level, obviously sports, politics, those things are going to let you down um, more quickly and easily than even a religion that participates in vastly less truth than, than the one that we believe is the true, you know, true faith. So mm-hmm. in other words, if you have, as we've said before, and this is kind of on topic as well, but when you have any any faith, any sociology, any philosophy, even if it's mostly wrong, still has aspects of the truth that, that attracts people in that way. Mm-hmm. E- even like the methodology, I really do think that, and I've, I've told this before, Dr. Scott Hahn, when I was in college, he told, this is the nine, uh, yes, late, late 90s, early 2000s. He said before 9-11, he did say that- You're dating yourself. I am absolutely dating myself. Um, I may marry marry myself one day too, because that's now allowed in the state of California. Um, But the, uh, (laughs) he said- Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the courtesy laugh. (laughs) Bethany just kind of breathed hard in a in a half laugh, so I appreciate it. <laughs> um, but but he said that he said that the the few he said that the Islam in the U.S. and I maybe said this before Islam in the U.S. is going to become more and more attractive to Americans, and the reason for that is because Islam is very very black and white. Mm-hmm. You do not have translations of the Quran. Mm-hmm. You you read it in the original or or it's a it's not the Quran. If it, if it's in translation it's no longer the Quran and, and you generally of course there's there's various forms of of Islam various forms of Muslims just like there is Christians mm-hmm. and there's various ways of interpreting it um but in general the, that that radical no options, do this, don't do this, here's how you please God, here's how you don't please God. That black and white nature in a very um, relativistic world like the US 
in a, in a, a very um, diverse religiously, politically, you know, sociologically, in this world, people will be attracted to less options. What we call here in California the in and out, the in and out. Like like the menu is so small, mm-hmm. you just you choose this, you don't choose that. Um, yeah, that's I and and it's I think it's it's in part the black and white, but it's also in part just like there's something in us. And this is where every addiction comes from. It's where every, like, it's it's the goodness um, that then becomes distorted into addiction. But um, is every one of us, like, we want to find the thing. We want to find the one and then totally throw ourselves into it. Yep. Like, we find yep. something that's good. I was talking about this, you know, when we did the episode where we talked about, like, the long run that I had. Like, we find something that's good and we just want more and more and more. Um, and that's a healthy thing when that goodness is God. Um, and it can become unhealthy when we mistake the creature for the creator. But the I had the same experience when I was a, when I was a missionary we mostly worked with single mothers in the projects, but we did some some homeless ministry as well. But the the kids that we encountered in the projects, so many of them were either joining gangs or becoming Muslim. And and it was because in part the black and white, in part this radical, I want to find the thing and I want to throw myself totally into it and be totally devoted, but also just the aspect of community. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast before. Like, people want and you get you get both of those things either in gangs or in Islam or in Christianity if Christianity is actually be li- being lived in its like radical fullness you know um but like the watered down forms of Christianity including people who are living a watered down version of Catholicism are not attractive um because that's not that's not what we want and in the same vein, on the opposite side, we did the whole podcast on checking boxes. Um, mm-hmm. Christianity and Catholicism can be lived in a radical way that's actually distracting from holiness mm-hmm. and from relationship with Christ. If, if people are, and this is why I think um, some churches, some Catholic churches are packed and they say, well, well, look, you know, that church is obviously doing something right. They may be doing something right, but they also may be doing something horribly wrong that's so incredibly attractive to a large group of people. In other words, if, if you have a pastor in a, in a Catholic church who, who stands up there and preaches, you know, to the, the choir every single Sunday and just, you know, if he preaches, you know, you need to, you need to hate this politician. You need to hate this trend in the world. You need to do this. And if you, if you don't do this, um, I, I had, I had a friend long ago who so much condemned, condemned, um, certain, condemned people that broke certain rules in the church. Bro, and and he he really really condemned them over and over and over again. Was quite judgmental. I think he said that to this day. And then then he ended up through sin, fall becoming one of those people. Mm-hmm. And he had to do something. He had to break a rule of the church in his sin. And and it was. And I just thought, you know, this is he's probably in a better place after the sin and after recovering, going to confession, getting back up again, then he was before Christ used evil to bring about good as only Christ can do. Um, because he used to be a, a box checker, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's, you, you see these packed churches and you go, are they packed because, 
people are actually finding Christ or are they packed because the preacher is condemning the people that they want to pr- condemn? Is is the is the preacher or the like leadership of the church? Bearish? Like the kind of, you know, how the news feed is catered to whatever it is right. that you're actually, exactly. yeah. It, that, that's a good way of putting it. I like that, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's, um because in that checking the boxes instance, like the people who are living a radical Christianity, um, similar to what's attractive that I'm saying about like a radical Islam, um, the people who are living the radical Christianity, but only by checking the boxes is the same issue of the creature versus the creator that I was, that I was talking about. Like they're not actually giving all and falling in love with God and wanting to give everything to him. They're giving everything to the law instead of to the lawgiver. Um, and, and to just, and, and what they're actually desiring is to give themselves totally to God. But I think that there ends up being, um, yeah, the, like the devil uses our, our pride and he uses our, our self-reliance and he uses all of these things to, to get us distracted into where we're giving our all. Um, yeah. You, you, you hit the nail on the head by there with, with mentioning gangs, because that's exactly where I was going with this. With oh, great! G- gang gangs have rules. Gangs have very obvious membership requirements. So you know that's one thing I loved about households as Steubenville was that that was that you you join a household, you now have somewhere to sit in the cafeteria. You know, even in college, where to sit in the cafeteria can be quite intimidating. You know, mm-hmm. do, do do I sit at a table? Do I sit completely alone? Do I try to make new friends? And as soon as you join a household, not even you have just college. Help. This is I get so stressed out at every ordination reception. Every mm. I'm like, please assigned seating, please always. <laughs> Southwest, it's the only thing that stresses me out about Southwest. I love them in every other way. I just want to be told where to sit. I'm sorry. Continue. That is really really funny because um, <laughs> I'm the exact opposite, of course, as usual. Um, but the uh, I just I don't want to pick wrong, and I don't want to. Usually, I just at a reception, I just go to an empty table, and I. I sit there and I'm like, people can come to me because I don't want to choose wrong. <laughs> if I had this much anxiety, I'd be going crazy. Our Lord, our Lord has given you. Now you understand you. why I'm crazy. <laughs> you're not crazy. You're beautiful. Um, but the, uh, so, but, so that's, you know, it was back then it was nice because you had these, and even with the companions, my, my priestly fraternity in Denver, you know, we want to belong to something and, and there has to be, there has to, I mean, this is what citizenship is, you know, uh, there's all this debate and of course there's nuance about what does it mean to be a citizen of a country? You know, what does it mean to have, have protected borders? What does it mean, you know, that there, there's something, this is why Paul, the apostle Paul, St. Paul, this is why he lived so long in captivity. This is because he was a, a Roman citizen. Therefore, he had the right to, to talk to Caesar before mm-hmm. they killed him. Um, that he was in captivity for years because of this. And then, then they killed him, you know, outside the city. There, there's all these things that come with being a citizen. There's something about belonging. I mean, we do this within Christianity, you know, baptism. There, there's, you're initiated into something. There, there's things built into the church and then things built into the world. And if people don't have that sense of belonging that they have um, in the church, in the, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, they're always going to look for it elsewhere. And, and certain aspects of our life and belonging help that 
our understanding of belonging in the kingdom of God help us understand our baptism, namely parish life, namely, and especially families, right? If you belong to a family, there's something that that, that's a, that helps in your understanding of belonging to the kingdom of God. But there's also, if, if we don't have that sense of belonging uh, to a community, and, and in a sense, you need strong, strong boundaries to say there, there's the initiated and the non-initiated and This sounds horrible. It sounds like we're excluding people, but the invitation is always there. The invitation within Christianity is to everybody. There's nobody excluded from the invitation, but, but, there is a requirement within the faith um, to do this authentically, so that it's actually beneficial, not just faking it. Um, you know, and and so I think what what other religions, especially the more radical, extreme forms of them, um, gangs, etc. The, the these these organizations have very strict guidelines for participation or not. You know, radical Catholicism, and by that I mean I mean inappropriately radical Catholicism. You know, this is why the boxes are checked. You know. Mm-hmm. If you don't dress this way, if you don't look this way, if you don't talk this way, you're, you, you're not part of the group. And the, those are that in the group that find that way of life attractive and easy. They like the hard boundaries. There's something in us that, that likes those hard boundaries. Um, but we need to be just so careful with the nuance to say, yes, there, there are boundaries to make sure it's authentic and actually helpful. And the, the people that are only faking it aren't running the show. Um, but at the same time, the invitation has to be open to everyone um, to, to, in love and gentleness and generosity, be welcomed in. And so you can see a place like Jerusalem that has these radical forms. And even, even you know, you're part of our quarter and you're not. Even here in L.A., I, I was. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. I still don't know what's going on. I may have mentioned this before, but I was sitting. Uh, it must have been a Saturday morning. I was sitting with a friend at the coffee shop, and these these two um, boys who were very uh, or obviously Orthodox Jewish by the way they dressed and the way they had their hair, etc. Um, they just walked up to us, and me and a friend were sitting at, at the coffee shop, and, and one of them just said, "Are you guys Jewish?" And I said, "And I said no." And then he just okay nodded and walked off. And I thought. What was that? You know, in a sense, the the especially the Orthodox Jews. I had an Orthodox Jewish rabbi friend in Denver. They don't proselytize. They don't evangelize. So it wasn't like if somebody walked up and said, "Do you know? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior?" Like that. That would I would assume that there's evangelization happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think after discussing this with others that that he he was pretty much making sure that if we were Jewish, we weren't breaking the mm. Jewish laws. And whatever we were doing at that coffee shop probably was breaking a, a Jewish law. But if we weren't Jewish, it did not matter. Mm-hmm. So he was just making, he, if we were Jewish, he was going to convict us and say, you shouldn't be doing this, this, or this. Um, you mean like we, when it, I reminded you that um, it was a Friday and you were, or it was a Wednesday. I don't remember. I did something and I just like made sure you remembered because anyways, oh. you were so mad. Fine. I was mad. Yeah, you were like, I could have eaten oh, that without yeah. any guilt. I, w- you I was actually fake mad. mad. I know. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. I was like, I don't know if you've ever seen me mad. <laughs> um, I've seen you mad. I think four times. You assume that I was mad at you. I was not. No, mad at you. there was only one of those was at me. Okay. The other what three. The other ones. I probably should not talk about them on the podcast. Um, was I, one was of them I, was at Old Chicago in the parking lot. Oh, well, I was, yeah, I was mad. 
I was mad for you. I know. Um, I wasn't at me, but yeah, four times in twelve years. Pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yes. The the other two were also because of things that had happened. Anyways, but four times in twelve years is like very minimal, and only one of them was at me. Um. What are you talking about? I've. We were. We were. I I may have been slightly irritated. We were on the phone and. I was like, <laughs> I was done. I, you're just making me say this in front of everyone. It's fine. And yeah. I was like, not wanting to keep talking about it. And I knew that you were had plans. You had like stepped out of the restaurant. You were with the companions, whatever. And I was just like, let's just talk about this another time. It's fine. Just go back into the restaurant. And you were like, it sounds like you're blowing me off. And that's not cool. And I was like, whoa, I never hear you speak like that. Anyways. I was probably trying to use language you would understand. <laughs> anyways that was one of the four Um, times we'll talk about the others later yeah so I I, I would love to finish this in the next 10 minutes finish this with um, if you're open to this mother to why like community is so important Mm -hmm. and I I had someone I think I shared this as well I had somebody admit they converted into Byzantine Catholicism and that's all I'll say, so we don't reveal who it is. And they said they they said the reason they did it was for community. That was one hundred percent the reason. And they belonged to a different apostolic church. No, so so in other words, they, they were getting all the sacraments. They were getting everything needed. But the reason why they joined the Byzantine Catholic Church was because I understand the, because of community. And mm-hmm. and so it it was a, a a parallel shift. But but that was the reason why they did it. So community is good. Community being helpful. I've shared a million times. The the process in this day and age is belonging, belief, behavior. Right from Andrew Whaley and Alpha. Um, so belonging is is an absolute first step for many people. That community, that understanding of love and and participation and belonging is an absolute step into. It. But the ultimate reason. I think is to 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 join a faith structure to join a religion is because it is true and because it is good and because it is beautiful it is the most true it is the most good it is the most beautiful and so um when I was preaching this homily in the holy sepulcher that's that's the conclusion I came to was I want to share after witnessing all of this, and not only that, but you know, there's six different Christian churches that all participate and all have their own time in the Holy Sepulchre. So even the difference between the Armenians and the Greeks and the Roman Catholics and the Coptics, you know, like what, like why even within Christianity, why do you, why do you belong to one of those churches? And sometimes most, for most of us, it was what we were raised in. Sometimes we chose one over the other. Why did we choose? Anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but, but, the reason why I love my my Christian faith and the reason why I love my my orthodox expression and the reason why I love my my Catholic Church um, is because I find it to be the most true. I find it to be the most good, but especially in my own mind, I find it to be the most beautiful. I believe I believe that that a God who decided to exist in community, namely three persons in complete unity is the most beautiful way of understanding God. I cannot understand, I cannot imagine a more beautiful way of understanding God than God deciding to um, participate, be three persons in one God. And and that community of love and self-gift but the community that is also perfect unity is in mm-hmm. one God. That is just the most beautiful. The fact that that 
grace overflowed into creation and 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 that we were not only pawns or 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 servants of God but we were invited into the very life of God through theosis and not only to be okay is it was three persons in one God now it's a million persons in one God no like we become united with this with Jesus Christ we become united with the word of God and we become so united with him that we also become as the Trinity and then the fact that we are given the opportunity to decide not to do that we are given the opportunity to mess it up and then every single one of us did except the mother of God, every single one of us messed that up. And then in his patience and desire to bring us back, God not only forgives us once, he forgives us over and over and over and over again. He lets the, the, the rock upon which the church is built, namely Peter, he lets him be a complete mess. He lets all the other apostles be a complete mess. He lets us be a complete mess. He lets our bishops be a complete mess. This is so scandalous to so many people that our bishops can be a total mess. It's so scandalous that we need to be obedient to our government as long as they don't tell us to do something immoral, even when they're a complete mess. The fact that the the, the line between good and evil cuts through every single human heart, it, it's just so scandalous. But, but, but Christ's goodness overwhelms all of that. And he offers us, he pursues us. He not only invites us, he pursues us more than we can ever imagine. And he, he wants us to be members of his body and therefore to be members of, of the kingdom of God in heaven for all eternity, much more than we can even comprehend we would ever want that. Um, I just, I cannot imagine a more beautiful reality and a more beautiful system. Um, so, you know, commu- I, I hope and pray, except for the grace of God, there go I, but I hope and pray that that everything else offered to me, the, the, the pleasures of a secular life, um, the, 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 the power and the money and the, the fame and all these things that are offered to us, um, though those are so attractive to every single human being in so many ways, um, but but when you've experienced the beauty of who God is and the beauty that He invites us into, and the freedom to say no to those things that are so attractive, mm-hmm. that's why I love my celibacy. Right, that I have the freedom and the grace to say no to some of the core beautiful experience of our humanity, namely marriage and children. I've, I, God asked me, gave me the freedom to, to, to not participate in those and yet to still be completely fulfilled. Um, I just can't imagine a more beautiful system. And so when I look at these other religions and when atheists may say, you know, how can, like every religion thinks they're the true religion. Every, every religion thinks everybody else is wrong. Why, why are you correct when you're just like everybody else who believes something completely different? You know, I'm not intimidated by that at all because I know that, that what attracts people to other religions, other belief systems is the truth. It's the same truth of Jesus Christ that they see in their other systems. Um, and they, they see it, it, it partially. And I believe that, that this is, and I also understand why people would be attractive to radical Islam or radical Judaism. I understand why someone who's raised in a community would not want to convert away from that community because they need that community. I understand that they see beauty in the black and white. I understand that that, that nuance is hard and it's a struggle. Like I, I can put myself in, in those people's shoes to an extent and say, I get why you're doing that. And I need to, in all humility, say I'm still learning and still growing and all these things. But But there's just something so beautiful about what I've, learned and where I stand and what I belong to um, that I can't imagine anything else. 
Can I can I say one more thing before you please wrap up? Um, because as you were talking about community and the Trinity, I think you hit a really key point that we need to make here. Um, because we were we were talking actually, some of the nuns and I were talking recently about Star Trek, and one of the nuns was talking <gasps> about shock. Shut up. <laughs> um, we were one of the nuns was like, why do you think the Borg? are so fascinating. So the Borg, for those of you who don't watch Star Trek, um, basically they, they operate off of, um, oh gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. They, they operate, like there's complete loss of the individuality in the Borg. They're all, they're all connected and they all function out of, like you're assimilated into the Borg and then you all function in this, this one mindset and this one it's a it's a total unity um there's no room for weakness there's no room for insecurity like the the borg assimilates new cultures and then they take only the things that are power advancement and then they discard anything that's like any sort of weakness which they would consider um emotions insecurity things like that to be weaknesses so but anyways there's total loss of individuality and it's an it's a complete oneness and so when this nun and they're very very bad and they're like the not good people in Star Trek. Okay. Um, so um, one of the nuns was like, what do you think is so fascinating about them? And this is ultimately the conclusion that we came to is that like most people I think wouldn't realize this as they're watching Star Trek and they're fascinated by the Borg, but there's um, this attraction to this oneness and this attraction to all being together within a one which means there is an attraction to the Trinity. Um, and like, it's this innate desire in us to be drawn into and participate in the life of the Trinity, um, which is what we're called to. This is theosis, is to to be, um, to become God, to become, to enter into the, the Trinity. And, um, and that exchange of love within the Trinity. And so the reason I think that's, a key point that we need to make is because like our community here on earth attracts us to that. It should model that for us. You know, this is like marriage should be an image of, of the Trinity for us. And, um, and any type of community, good community should be an image of the Trinity for us, but we can't mistake that community for the ultimate community that we're seeking because part of the danger there um, is that, there can become an unhealthy dependence on community. And then when we realize that there's the scandalous bishop, when we realize there's the person in the parish yeah. who isn't who we thought they were, when we realize all of these things, then it can cause us to question all the others. Yeah. Um, well, whereas so. we need to say like the, the Trinity is the true community. And then this is the broken community that we are participating in Um that is striving to imitate that. Um, and that is a, a, an image of that, an icon of that. Um, but that it's, it's broken because of sin. Um, whereas there's of course no sin in the Trinity. And, you know, I was, I was talking with someone recently who's kind of discerning different, um, different, um, paths, different religions. And as he's discerning the different things, you know, he's like, we were talking about how some people, in different religions act certain ways. 
And I said, and and I'm not even I'm not even telling him what to choose. I just said, look, as you're because I can tell that this man is absolutely a truth seeker. Um, and and I have confidence that if he continues to seek out the truth, he will find the truth. Um and and I said, you need to try really hard to like not be so influenced by what um which actually I don't even think he was being that influenced, but the point is like we need to be influenced not so much by how people, um, like the Eucharist is a good example of this. Like it's not about the reverence that people show toward the Eucharist. We need to be figuring out like, where is the reverence due? Um, like even if people aren't showing that reverence, um, if we realize that reverence is due, to the Eucharist, um, that's the truth that we need to pursue, not how people are living it out and not how people are, are reacting to it, but like we need to be seeking the truth. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Yeah. so I don't know, just remembering that, that, um, all of those things are tools, but even like, even as good as community is here, even that's not the ultimate goal. Like that should be pointing us towards the goal. And it shouldn't be that like, if that's broken, we're debilitated by it. Absolutely. Yeah. Good call. Good call. And I, and I think that's, you, you, you parents, um, all these things that, all these things that we want to instill in our children, um, ideally we learn all these things when we're very young. You know, ideally, by the time that we're, you know, hit puberty, we're kind of ready to, ready to be confident and to be and to understand our community and to, and to understand how we're helpful to our community, how we're helped by our community. We're ready to pursue, you know, truth and beauty and goodness and see God and then give of ourselves completely. Um, so I, I pray for you, parents that are that have such an incredible, incredible responsibility to your children um, and that you also are not shamed by the devil when, when you're, if you ever feel that you've done this inadequately or anything like this and, and that you completely rely upon um, God who is the, the ultimate father um, to, to guide you and your children towards these things in, in ways that he, he can and the ways that he will. Um, it, I, when I was over there, I go, I understand how people become atheist or at least agnostic over here because there's that all these religions are so intense and they all believe that they, they have it right um, to the, to the nth degree. Um, and, and I think so much of it is the lesser things. Like you said, mother, so many people pursue religion and I'm including myself in this for, for the lesser reasons like community rather than for the greater reasons like truth and beauty and goodness. Um, and we need to make sure that we're all not only educating our children in that, but also pursuing that ourselves. Um, that, and that's that not we, to say like the Lord tools. uses those things. Absolutely. absolutely even, yeah. even just to draw us in, Jeez. like basically almost none of the reasons I entered the monastery are the reasons I made my life profession. Like, you know, like the Lord used so much to draw me in. Um, and then like over the years revealed to me the deeper desires of my heart that I was actually seeking. Um, yeah. And yeah, and there's just a lot of beauty there too, so. Okay, amen. Um, we have a new, and one of the new church cleaners is looking for the entrance to my house. Um, 
Bethany, can you just can you walk out that door and then show her the other door, which is where she can get in? Thank you. Um, oh, there she go. I think she found it. I think she found it. Um, okay, it's just it's just <laughs> the right of that one. <laughs> She's like, I don't even know where the other door is. <laughs> She's new here. Um, okay, so amen. Thank you, Mother. I think that was a good good conclusion. Anything else on your mind before we finish? Um, I don't think so. Make sure you show Bethany the the man cave. That's no longer the man cave, but the the place where I had my pre profession. Oh, she she retreat. did there last night. Okay, and, good. Uh, and we we chatted about that reality, and I, and I showed her where the uh, the emergency key is, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, uh, Bethany, if you'll think of a prayer intention, um, I will do the the spiel. And then, uh, and then we will all pray and we'll finish up with a blessing. So um, thank you all for listening. Um, please do share this podcast with others. Um, if you've gained anything from it, um, as I've said a million times, when we put things out on the media, uh, the Holy Spirit does absolutely amazing things with it and, and, and sends it to the people that he needs these things sent to in so many ways. But, but you can be that means if you think this is... This is helpful. And by the way, this isn't just about us. Um, I'll do that for any any online media that you enjoy, that you appreciate. You know, don't just send ours out. We're not trying to be selfish here, but but anything that you've been helped by, um, your ability to use social media that can be such can be used for such evil, also for such good. Um, we appreciate that and other other people that have been called to do online evangelization that has been helpful to so many people. Um, I just finished this pilgrimage. We had a 200 pilgrims and they were all there because of Chris Stefanik. And Chris Stefanik is, is so well known because of his online presence and, and the media presence he has through, through formed, et cetera. So anyway, so many good and beautiful stories from people that found this pilgrimage through him. So yeah, keep on sharing what, what you love and what the Spirit's done in your heart. Um, that being said, we are on Instagram and Facebook. What God is not. I'm on Twitter with Padre Michael O. We have a Goodreads page where there's community happening in what we are reading and what you are reading. We are on YouTube audio only. Um, just look up what God is not. Uh, you can contact us, especially if you have any questions about what Mother mentioned in the beginning, the announcement about her talk in Denver and the fundraiser for the Byzantine Parish in Denver. Um, you can email us at whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we also have our website, uh, whatgodisnot.com. We also have a Patreon page, which is uh, where you can go to subscribe and, and um, give donate some money monthly to our evangelization efforts uh, that helps the poor, helps the church, helps our evangelization efforts. Um, there's also various benefits um, that you get, um, including ones that we need to put together now that I'm back from the Holy Land, including being able to uh, come on and then watch us record live um, from a, what they call backstage within the the process we use. So go there and check out those things. You can get stickers and all the other benefits you get from joining. All of the money you donate goes to our nonprofit called Fotina. You can see that at fotina.org. And um, as I mentioned, mostly evangelization, but also to the poor, to the church, etc. And I believe that is everything. Uh, Mother, or I'll do my prayer intentions first. Um, and I did not think ahead. Do you um, want me to go first? Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the day this episode comes out, I'm pretty sure, um, my friend James, who's been on the podcast before, on the Matthew 25 episode, um, he is starting a 30-day silent retreat. 
through IPF in Omaha. So um, if you could pray for him, um, he's driving there as we record. And then the day this comes out, I think, is when his 30 days starts. So pray for him for the next month. Amen. Um, the two things that came to mind was uh, to pray for our friend and uh, and member of our listener advisory committee, Laura Joy. Um, she uh, she just popped in my mind for some reason. So um, I I know she's got had a lot going on recently and travel, etc. So um, so just pray for her and then also for all the beautiful pilgrims who were on the pilgrimage with me, especially those on the red bus, but for all the pilgrims, um, it was so beautiful. I had two or three families that I just really bonded with immensely. I won't name them only because I, I, I don't want to exclude anybody else, but, um, but you know who you are. Um, some beautiful, beautiful families I was able to eat with and spend the evenings with and have a cigar with and have a drink with. Um, International Bourbon Day happened while we were over there, so I was able to have bourbon with various people and the pilgrims really did make this trip um, amazing. So pray for them, pray for Chris, pray for the priests who are on the trip as well. So pilgrims and Laura Joy. Thank y'all. Bethany. Okay. I'm going to ask for prayers for my family and for this crazy trip that it goes safely. Amen. Amen. I'm praying for you for that too. Awesome. Well, it was good to see you, Father Michael, and you too, Bethany. You as well, Mother. Love you. Love you too. Can you give us a blessing? May Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May you open your heart to all the good things God wants to give you um, in the communities that he's given you. May those communities always be built up and orient you and you assist in orienting that community towards Christ. May you truly seek out the truth and the beauty and the goodness of God himself. Uh, May you always be thankful for all that he has given you and hopeful for what he wants to give you in the future. May our Lord allow you to understand that he pursues you and that he welcomes you into his very life. May you truly see this as something beautiful and always grow in the understanding of your faith and make the the moves that he asks you to make in, in any conversions, daily conversions and also larger conversions that Christ may be calling you into. May he send you friends and family and parish that also assist in this process. And may you find comfort, joy and hope in this invitation, this pursuing of Christ for you towards eventually the salvation of your soul. May our Lord bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.